Hey, you're listening to episode 27 of the Happy Raccoon Podcast. This is Mason Cratch, the host and creator of this show. If this is your first time here, welcome. If this is your last time here, goodbye. If you've been here before, thanks for coming back. Today is actually the season finale of season one of the Happy Raccoon Podcast. What that means is that after this episode, we'll be taking a momentary break for a while. Uh, I'm not going to know how long it'll be for, um, but we are, uh, yeah, we're taking a little bit of a break. Um, probably going to take a month or so off just to recalibrate and uh, start planning for the next season and figure out where this thing is going to go. But thanks so much for listening um, to this episode. I have a wonderful guest today uh, by the name of Josh Depew, who's a great guy that I know from church, who is an avid listener of the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for tuning into this season and this episode, and I will uh, see you guys next time. All right, and we're uh, recording. We got Josh Depew. You're like one of, I feel like, so many Joshes that I've had on the podcast. But I think it's because Josh is such a common name around here. Yeah. It's like Josh, Jared, Dave, and Steve. And those are common everywhere, but here especially. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You and I met, um, I believe we were both uh, at, did we meet at softball or before then? I think we met beforehand. Okay. Kind of at the end of church, Brian Loshball introduced us. Yeah, that's right. Actually, they started, we met your wife first. Yes. Yes. Came came later yeah everyone knows everyone knows my wife man. <laughs> she's a cool cool chick but very cool well thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today i think the uh the main subject of discussion today um for this episode in particular is going to be um youth ministry and we'll get more into that um but first i just want to thank you so much for coming on thanks for being such a, a big listener of the podcast I and mean, you i'm not i wasn't typically a podcast listener yeah, but you first one. You jumped right in, and you've listened to a lot of them, right? I mean, no, all of them. All of them. Well, thank you. I appreciate it a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think so. You you probably know that I've mentioned before that this is something I've been working on for a long time in preparation. It took me like two years to finally come out the f- first episode. So you know, how come I, it took so long? Just procrastination, I think or it's a mixture. It was a mixture of procrastination combined with. Like you want to do something, but it's that first step that's a struggle. Maybe that's procrastination, but I think it was more just like, what do I want it to be, to look like, which is probably why this podcast has like almost no backbone and that there's really no like theme to it. It's pretty random in nature. Um, And it's because I never really got that step. It was you know, it was a matter of like, I had like a dream to do something. Um, I felt like it's something that would tailor to a lot of people. A lot of people would like the idea of just getting to know each other live on a podcast, interviewing like real people in you know, a real area that people are not familiar with. Um, and, uh, you know, and then it turned into a lot of episodes of just me, you know, so you've been around, so you know that I've been, you know, I've talked about you know, why quitting my job at one point, being unemployed for a while, you know, sharing some pretty heavy stuff that was going on with work and all the goofy stuff along the way. So this podcast has kind of had no plan and had no backbone. Whereas, you know, the second podcast I launched just a you know month or so ago, um, you know, is very, you haven't listened to that one yet. 
that one's a whole different breed. It's just, it's completely different in nature. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's a, a documentary kind of style, like true crime podcast, but it's telling stories of Christians who were killed for their faith. Um, real life stories, you know, the, as early as the early 1500s to, you know, just 20 years or so ago in Indonesia, um, definitely a lot heavier and, uh, not quite as fun as this one can get sometimes, but, uh, regardless, thanks for, thanks for listening. And thanks for coming on the podcast today. We're going to just, you know, we're going to do some icebreakers. Oh boy. And I'm going to get you, uh, get you out of your skin a little bit. I know you said you were a little bit nervous, which a little nervous, which is, uh, you know, nothing to be nervous about. That's for sure. Especially this podcast, but we're going to play, uh, you know, some of our, our favorite games here, which is the random questions of this card game that I have. Um, and as always, you kind of have to thumb through some of these because a lot of them are really boring. Um, ooh. Oh, I've, I've kind of asked this question. This was an Instagram question that I was asked myself, and you have actually called me by this name. I was asked on Instagram what I would change my name to if I could change my name, and I would change it to Fernando Silver. Do you have a name that you would change your name to? Oh man, I, I have an alter ego that I joined that I made up at youth group. Oh, let's hear this. Call I call myself Notorious JLD. Okay, <laughs> elaborate. There was uh, one snow camp year. It was the year we didn't have any snow, and it was just mud. Ah, oh. oh, gross. And it was probably my second year working with the students, and I went to the leader, and he's been trying. He was trying to rack his brain. How do mm-hmm. I get kids excited for a snow camp with no snow? So I came up with this bright idea because I got nothing better to do with my time but think of just coming out dressed to the nine as a rapper. <laughs> I had baggy clothes. I had a uh, gold chain, hat I backwards. Loved, I would have loved to have seen the that. The shade. I came out with the lingo. I was just, and the kids just erupted and had a blast with it. And it stuck with me for up wow. until a couple of years ago. It was, when, it, when it graduated out. It just kind of, yeah. Yeah, I graduated. Well, the, the kids that were there originally, they kind of graduated out, and it kind of just yeah. went with them. And I was like, okay, we'll just retire it with them and yeah, go on to the next bet. Wow, notorious JLD. Yeah. What does JLD stand for? That's my initials. Okay. Joshua Lee DePew. Ah, uh, man, I could have guessed that middle name, I think. You think so? Yeah, that's so funny. Um, This next question, I actually know the answer to because I probably wouldn't be friends with you if the answer was yes, but I'm going to change the form of the question. The question is, do you believe in astrology, which has got to be a no. (laughs) If you said yes, I would kick you right out of my house right now. Um, I get a kick out of reading them just because they're pretty funny. Tell me what you think of astrology. I think it's bogus, really. I think... (laughs) I think it's somebody that's sitting in their basement has got too much time on their hands. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, my favorite my favorite thing about astrology is just how general it is, so that it can be correct. If you know what I mean, like I can't. I don't. You know, the idea one of people having like signs and like who they are is dependent on what time of the year they were born is just ridiculous, right? But the the astrology like signs of the day, like when you read them, it's like it's so general. So it doesn't matter like what month or what season you were born. It would say like, you know, you're an overthinker, but when you're confident, you can succeed. And like, 
it, it it says things like that where it makes it, the person reading it who has fallen for this nonsense goes, yeah, you know what? That is me. And uh, The fortune cookies. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. It cracks me up. There are, I know, way too many people that believe in astrology. And uh, it's it does make me laugh a lot. In fact, it's amazing what you can get people to believe if you sell yeah. it hard enough. Yeah. And too many first impressions have been formed based on like... When you, what month are you born? Oh, September. Oh, you're a Virgo. And it's like, you know, if you say that to me, like it's pretty much a done deal that we're not going to be friends. Yeah. Okay. Here is an actual astrology tagged Instagram post. And it's actually a tweet that was a screenshot a picture on Instagram. We'll see what this has to say. Uh, I have to make sure I read through it first to make sure there's no like inappropriate, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause we're just flying by the seat of our pants today. Um, from sacred blooming astrology, um, on Twitter, the hashtag Virgo cave is no joke. Some of our deepest shadow work is done during this season. When we're deep in the earth of who we are, choose solitude, not isolation, choose vulnerability, not pettiness, choose to be gentle, not hypocritical. You have to come first always. I mean, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, I, if you're Virgo, you're selfish. <laughs> apparently. Oh, that's my favorite is like, oh, if you're a Leo, don't date a Virgo. Don't get married to a Virgo. We're not, they're not compatible. It's like human beings in general aren't compatible. <laughs> um, let's see. What's another good one here? The Virgo season. So I'm, so I am by unfortunate. It's August 22nd to September 22nd is where the Virgo lands. So my birthday is September 7th, so I guess I'm technically a uh, a Virgo. So this season, I should expect to feel organized, practical, and finicky. Do those feel as like opposing to each other as they sound? Practical and finicky could not be more opposite. Um, Working out for you. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand a lot of these things, but it says um, modality is mutable. I don't really know what that means, but it says anatomy small intestine pancreas and liver i'm just telling you what i'm reading 400 446 people have liked this instagram post here are the positive themes apparently virgos are hardworking, analytical practical sensible thoughtful organized neat reliable patient kind and meticulous again anyone could put that about their their stupid season and they'd be like yeah you know what that is me here's the truth not very analytical i'm definitely not practical um, I'm not organized at all. Um, I struggle with patience and, uh, you know what? I am kind. They got me there. I like yeah, to think yeah, of them. Yeah. I'm a kind yeah. guy. There's something right. to it then. Yeah, maybe there is. <laughs> Shoot. All right. Let me get a couple more in real quick and then we'll get to, uh, the real reason you're here today, which is the fact that you're my friend. That's the real reason. That's the here. real reason. Yes. Yep. Okay. Some of these are really funny. Like, what do your friends think of me? That's a really funny one. I don't know if I want to know the answer to that. Also, I don't even know if you have any friends that know who I am. All right, last one. We'll go with a classic. What is your spirit animal? Speaking of, of bogus things. My spirit animal. Yeah, sounds kind of like astrology. but It does kind of sound like astrology. It's more like if you were to be an animal, like if every night the clock strike midnight, you turn into an animal that most resembles who you are, both in your looks and personality, what would that be? I have to say a white-tailed deer. White-tailed deer? Why, why is that? Just 
because I'm cute on the outside and there you go. When somebody in in impedes in my area, I get yeah anxious. Yeah, and I get snotty like the white tail. He snorts, snaps his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any good hunting stories? I got. You're a hunter, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have been hunter since I was twelve. You have any funny hunting stories? I got a lot of funny ones. I don't know if they're appropriate this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll save that for uh, for talking to me after after this recording because um, I've been hunting for the well, I've been hunting since I was a kid in New Guinea. But hunting here is a lot different than hunting there. Hunting here takes a lot more strategy. It does. Um, patience. And just when you think you got them figured out, they change. Yep. Just when you think you got to figure out your change. And on, on top of all of it, you're freezing to death. <laughs> <laughs> At least when I would hunt in New Guinea, I would do it with shorts on, no shirt, no shoes. Because it was humid and hot out. And normally it didn't take too long and you'd see something every time because it was a rainforest and the jungle, the jungle had animals aplenty come out here. It's a little bit different. You got to fight to, uh, to see something you're competing with other hunters. That's my favorite thing is there's two things around here that, um, you know, cause dogs to have extreme anxiety from the, the constant booming. And that's 4th of July with all the fireworks. And that is opening day of deer season. Because if you ever go on the edge of public hunting lands on the morning of opening day of deer season, three. Oh my gosh! You know that scene in the Patriot? You seen the Patriot with Mel Gibson? Back when I was a kid. Okay. All right. So there's a scene in that movie where they walk out like on their front porch. It's right as the Revolutionary War had started. The main character went on a speech about how like this won't be like any war we fought before. This is going to be a war that's on our property, like right in front of us for our kids to witness and all of that. And so then it goes in the scene where they hear like boom and cheer, like, like you know, yelling and you know, screaming and boom, boom, boom. And they go outside and sure enough, there's a battle happening right on their farm, right in front of them. Um, but that's pretty much what it sounds like on the morning, like when the clock strikes about 6:45 a.m. in the first week of December, rifle season starts, you go out there and it's boom, 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 crack, crack, boom. And uh, you either get the idea that like multiple deer have been killed or one guy is, has a really bad shot and he keeps trying to shoot the same darn deer. <laughs> Just wants to be the first shot of the day. Yeah, one of the two. Or or it's a uh, it's someone protesting hunting and just going around firing off bullets to get the deer out of there. Yeah, have you ever come across someone that was like, I've heard stories of people coming across like, you know, a uh, anti-hunting person goes out and, and tries to ruin someone's hunt? No, I've never done that. I've had fellow hunters that are jerks that yeah. purposely interrupt your hunt just because they can. But That's No awful. anti-hunters. One yeah. funny story. I think All I right, can share it because yeah. it's kind of in the Bible with Saul. He was defecating in the cave. So uh-huh. I was squirrel hunting once. I was probably 14. Uh-huh. And I had to go. Nature called, so I found the biggest tree. I started leaning up on it, and probably 10 feet from me was a fence post. And a squirrel jumped up on top of the fence post. So I stood up, pants around my ankles, shot the squirrel, finished what I had to do, and then I went and got the squirrel. So that was probably... That's probably the funniest thing I've ever... <laughs> Thankfully, it was a private land and nobody else was around, because that would have been awkward. But I feel like some people would have been pretty impressed, though. Like... Yeah. You know, mid bathroom break, taking down a squirrel. Yeah, I want you to try and recreate that this year, but with like maybe a bigger animal. Maybe. Like you were a kid, you do it with a squirrel. Now you're a man, and you do it with a black bear. 
There's I've never even hunted a bear. No. no. Do you do you normally get bear tags or no? No. Not would typically. you? Would you? I wouldn't mind it. I yeah. wouldn't. I don't know much about it. I've never. Yeah. I wouldn't know the first thing to where to go, how to hunt them. Me neither. Yeah. I I know. Like I have one of the biggest things that I'm cursed with as a person is that like when I when I get into something, I have to do the most extreme version of it. So. Like when I first got into American hunting um, for deer and for turkey, I got really into it. Um, and so the very next season, I wanted to go out and I wanted to apply for an elk tag. And I wanted to go overnight elk hunting in elk country. That'd be pretty cool. Pennsylvania. You know, I had watched Meat Eater with uh, yeah. Steve Ranella, I think his name is, on, on Netflix. I'm like, man, I can do that. That sounds awesome. Overnight hunting, things like that. Meanwhile, every hunting season, I seem to scope myself in the face every time I pull the trigger. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I have to, like, really slow myself down because, like, I have this, like, really toxic relationship with just wanting to go out and, like, you know, be, like, way too extreme about, you know, my hunting. And um, when realistically, like, I'm just trying to, still trying to figure it out. Like, I couldn't believe. Teach my son now because he's at the age where he can start hunting. So, yeah. Kind of trying to teach him all the habits that I learned the hard way. Yeah, that was one of my fun, one of like the funniest things about getting into hunting out here. Is now I think it's pretty easy where you can get your hunting license 100 percent online because of COVID, and they don't want people gathering. Um, and uh, but I went to when I got my hunting license, it was you know you did the course online, and then you had to go to hunter safety course. This is for New York. I'm a New York resident, so. Um, so I got my, I did my hunter ed education and then I went to this free thing, but it was all day, like nine hours and you show up and you're like, my gosh, like there's this guy and he has like four of his daughters there with him and they're like ages ranging from like six years old to like however years old. There was like, I mean, I have no idea. Maybe it wasn't that because I know there was a minimum like junior hunter. Um, but whatever it was, he had like a bunch of kids with him and it, I, it dawned on me that he had all of his daughters there. So they could all get licenses so that he could steal their tags yep. <laughs> <laughs> and just take down as many deer as he could. So is that one of the reasons that if your son doesn't get a deer, you're just going to poach his, uh, his tag? No, he's, he's actually excited right. to go out. Oh, that's good. And we'll see because they have an early junior hunt uh-huh. in October for rifles. So I got yeah. to do that with him this year. That was exciting. Oh, that's cool. He didn't get one this year, but. Yeah, well, this year, have you done any any preparing or scouting yet? Not yet. No, okay, me neither. I think I might actually go put out my trail cameras tomorrow morning. Yeah, but my buddy put out cameras and sent me pictures, but. Yeah, I think that was my biggest mistake last year is that I put out cameras. I saw that there were deer, and so I thought, all right, cool, no need for the cameras. Like, And I didn't really like use the cameras well. And so the very last day of the season, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go all the way up this mountain. I went like this long hike went all the way up in the mountain and I just found like this killer spot, like tall grass, but they had been bedding down in there, like really nice rubs. And like, I'm like, Oh man, there's like a big buck in this area. Lots of tracks, you know, all of that. And I'm like, okay. And so maneuvered around, went across the mountain, um, and then looked down this hill and it was a telephone line or electric line. And sure enough, two huge buck come out like an eight point and, and a nine point came out big ones. And I was so far away. They were moving so quickly, and they were going from the, the private property I was on to the, the neighboring property. And it was the last day, 
And so I thought this is my only shot. And so I took a shot and missed because it ended up being like, like 160 yards. Like it was just a really difficult shot with my type of gun. So then didn't get them. Um, but anyways, I learned a valuable lesson in that. Like you can't just put your trail cameras anywhere you want. You got to kind of go figure out where it's, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's and a, I think that's one of the reasons I haven't done it the last couple of years just because yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot hasn't of, really been a top priority. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort to, to get that done. That's for sure. But Plus, uh, I archery hunt, so I use that as my. Okay. I use that as my scouting time. All right, that's good. There you go. But like, do you normally get a deer during archery too, or is it? I've only shot one during archery. Okay. And that was seven years ago. Okay, compound bow or a crossbow? Compound. Okay. I don't think my my opinion is crossbows should only be for youth that are just starting out that aren't strong enough to pull back a compound, uh-huh. or somebody that has a ailment that prevents them from pulling back if you are physically able to pull back a compound bow i think you should pull back a compound bow i'll tell that to daryl from the walking dead oh i think i to me it takes the sport out of archery hunting really yeah i mean i think for me so i i have a compound bow and if i had the money i would have a crossbow because for me it's it's difficult enough to try and get an opportunity right and every single time I've had an opportunity with a compound bow, and for those listening that are not don't know hunting at all, the crossbow is what Daryl uses in The Walking Dead. It might as well be a gun; it has a scope on it. It's one shot, so you don't you know you're not really able to shoot it twice. Daryl pulls the, the compound or the, the crossbow back. Daryl pulls a crossbow back and loads arrows into it. It's very incorrect and unrealistic, from what I understand about. Uh, crossbows compound bow you have to really pull back and it's incredibly difficult to do if a deer is a little skittish um so like i had a shot at a just like a small five point buck during archery season last year and he had just like sat there and just stared at me for like 10 minutes and like wouldn't break eye contact with me and if i flinched a little bit i knew he was gonna run and so I waited and I waited and I waited and he wouldn't break eye contact. So I'm like, all right, well, screw it. I tried putting my arrow in and I was like, the arrow was in. I clipped it on there. I stepped to pull it back a minute. I flinched. He was gone. And I was like, if I had a, if I had a crossbow, he'd have been. To me, it's difficult enough to get in that position, at least for where I'm at right now. Yeah. Difficult enough to get in that position. I'd love nothing more than a crossbow. It, well, I, been I, I, there's been plenty of times where I was yeah. like, oh, I should just suck it up and get a crossbow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, mad, mad respect to you. I think, yeah, maybe like if I got some years with a, with a cross, uh, crossbow or with a compound bow under my belt, then maybe I'd switch something more difficult. But I feel like I'm like immediately, uh, you know, shooting from the three point line. Might as well start doing some layups. I can barely handle a rifle. So <laughs> I don't, I mean, if you use a crossbow, use a crossbow. I don't, it's yeah. not like I'm going to shame you because you don't, you might. Well, I might. No. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got their own opinion. Yeah. And... I've heard that opinion a few times before, though. And, I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I just think that for me, you know, it's difficult enough. And maybe that's because well, that's what I was brought up on was the compound bow. Yeah. And I'm yeah. old school, I guess. I'm old guy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right on. Well, let's get right into um, the main topic of discussion um, for today that we've discussed previously. And that is serving as a youth leader at a church. So... First of all, as a disclaimer, um, our church is very different in the way they do things compared to other churches. 
whereas a lot of churches has like, you know, a youth pastor, and that is their main role. We have, what is it, five campuses, one online, right? Mm-hmm. Five five physical campuses and an online campus. And, of course, there's no, like, online youth group. That'd be, you know, as far as I know. But, um, yeah, so in many ways, each campus, you know, it sort of, you know, picks out a person in their congregation that serves as, like, the worship champion, um, the children's ministry on Sunday's champion, and then you get, you know, the the youth champion. Um, and so that's, that's you and I. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, this is my first year doing it for Conklin, the Conklin campus. And it's one of the smaller campuses, probably only going to have, you know, a dozen to maybe 20 kids, I think show up, but, um, I wanted to hang out with you a little bit and sort of get, you know, some of your feedback, um, about, you know, what it's like serving in this type of structure, um, in this role and what your experience has been for the youth group this far. So I guess I'll start you out with a question. How long have you been in, how long have you been, you know, serving in the youth group at Bridgewater Montrose? I started, I think it was the fall of, yeah, it was the, actually it was November of 2014. Okay. I came on very hesitantly just because mm-hmm. I have a past that kind of, I lived with for a long time that mm-hmm. it's hard to get over, but the, November, December time to 2014, my wife and Pastor Brett Bixby at the time talked me into giving it a shot. So I went in and gave it a shot and loved every minute of it and been there ever since. Awesome. And so you served as just sort of like a volunteer um, youth leader for, you said, four years? Yeah. And then you've been a youth champion for three. Yeah. What are the biggest differences in that? The biggest differences I would say is everybody's looking at you now. Mm. Where before you were just, you show up on the Sunday night that we have our youth group, you know your role, mm-hmm. and you just do your part, and then you go home. Where the champion is, you're the guy that's kind of making, setting the night up, setting the rules, setting the boundaries, mm-hmm. and you're the guy that comes to when there's problems. Yeah. What has been like your biggest challenge thus far? you think? Uh, the first year, we had a couple of uh, scuffles, fights with students. Hmm. So that was a little challenging because yeah. as a leader, I don't remember ever seeing yeah. stuff like that. So then my first year as a champion. It was like physical altercations. Yeah, I don't, oh, wow. there was a fist thrown. I don't know if it connected. I don't think it did. But, Probably not. <laughs> but that was like the first week, second week, okay. my first year as a champion. And I'm like, so this is how this is going to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe I want to go back to being a leader. Yeah. <laughs> so that was challenging to kind of figure out, you know, reaching out to our director and how do I navigate that? How do I how do I approach that appropriately mm-hmm. but yet get the point across that this can't happen? Yeah. And then, you know, our director is great. He's very patient. Yeah. And he never, never looks at you like you're, lost your mind if you ask him ask him a question yeah so that's been very helpful having him just to kind of turn to ask questions and yeah so it's been good yeah that's good yeah i think that's like like there's a a few things that i'm concerned about as i go into it and i think one of those is one is i'm like a really goofy guy most of the time but sometimes i have a really hard time like really turning it on and like i 
I've always been like a really like I've been told I'm an old soul, as they they say. Um, I never understood that term. What I, I think, like what I've always leaned like towards like the side of maturity over like radical like you know craziness and like I don't know I've always prefer like I've always wanted to you know get married and have kids at a young age. Um, not totally uncommon in this area where I come from in California having, you know, I had my first kid when I was 22. It's like extremely young to be married and have a kid, um, to be, you know, I'm 24, I'll be 25 in a week. Um, you know, to have two kids at that is like a cray. I got all my, all of my friends in California that I had grown up with and in a way kind of grown apart from just because of our life differences and the fact that I moved out here, you know, they're still like, you know, playing beer pong every Friday night and, and going to concerts and being ratted, you know, crazy and, you know, out of control. Um, and I didn't, you know, really indulge in that ever. And so I think that's kind of what I mean by old soul. And none of those things really go with youth group, <laughs> but, um, I do worry that like, you know, when you want to be the raw, raw person, um, that's like one of my biggest concerns I think is like being able to like rally a room because often, especially when I'm in like a new environment, my first instinct is to remain kind of quiet, feel things out and then jump in as I feel. So I think I'm going to have my hands full, like on the, you know, when we start up on September 12th. And I think, uh, you know, when we, uh, you know, we have United night this Sunday where all the campuses come together and I'm going to want to represent Conklin well and get our Conklin kids there and excited, you know, that's like the one thing I've been praying about, like, man, like I just, want to be able to turn that on you know what i mean yeah i'm not i don't consider myself a rah-rah guy either yeah and you know i told you a couple weeks ago to delegate and i think that's part of it if you see somebody in your team that excels in certain areas Mm -hmm. as a champion like my personality is i'm just gonna go do it because it's easier for me to do it for myself but i've learned over the years that doing it myself just stresses me out and yeah nobody likes to deal with anything but if you delegate it to me anyway it allowed my position as a champion to go a lot smoother mm-hmm. and then it helped the team kind of feel kind of included yeah they didn't feel like okay you're the boss they come to you like okay here i am where they feel like okay this is a team now mm-hmm. so that's why i that's why i learned to to delegate where where yeah. i can and then pick up where i can't yeah and, what would you say is like the most important thing, most like important outcome that you strive for, for uh, your role in the youth group, but really for the youth group as a whole? Like if you could choose like one outcome at the end of the year, what would that be? I, that's a tough question because there's a couple of them. You know, I, I would love every kid that walks to that door to accept Jesus Christ as their savior mm-hmm. and to sit here and, my realistic sinful mind says oh that's impossible that'll never happen but with god it can happen and i think i don't i don't think i trust that enough Mm -hmm. but i think that would be probably my biggest goal would be to have a youth group full of saved kids and then the ones that came in saved that they come out with a stronger face than they came in with yeah you know just a relationship with god relationship with others and just a willingness to to serve and be yeah. selfless. It's a good answer. Well, I appreciate that answer. What, um, so obviously one really big youth group thing is, uh, the games. 
What are what are your campus's favorite games to play? Dodgeball. Dodgeball. <laughs> you guys have a much bigger area than we do. We do. You guys have a nice gym with basketball courts. We have a pretty small. We're definitely spoiled. Yeah. Which I'm glad this year our director Josh he kind of is going to encourage some of the champions to travel to different campuses mm. to get a feel and an understanding of what everybody else yeah. goes through. Because there's, you know, you guys might do something that we don't that, hey, that'd be pretty cool. Or yeah. we might do something that you don't or Halstead doesn't where it may work. So yeah. I think in a, in a way, and I've never done that. So my mind is with Montrose, we got this big giant gym. So when yeah. I think of youth group on like Conklin, you got yeah. a really small auditorium. Well, we're we're really excited because we have a pretty good relationship with this with a local high school that's just down the road. Oh, nice! And so they have said that we can use their facilities whenever we want, and that includes their football field, and that includes their full gym. And so we may end up being more spoiled than you. Um, yeah. But uh, of course, that's you know down the road, and organizing that might be tough. I'm work. I, you know, the guy we're playing kind of phone tag right now and I'm winning and he's it and he hasn't called me back in a bit, but he's like an administrator over there and he's, um, he and I are going to meet and we're going to talk about the logistics of that because I don't know what that's going to like with COVID. Um, if they're just going to let people on their, I don't know if that's how it works. So my guess would be with everything going on is that when the doors close, um, at whatever time that, uh, you know, I, I would say that they probably have a sanitizing process afterwards and, you know, you probably keep things clean. So I don't know if we're going to have access to it. So that'd be pretty cool if you did though. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I think that's like, that's one area that I'm particularly passionate about is, is the outreach part of youth group. So, you know, the, I've been basing so much of this off cause I don't, you know, I am a little bit disadvantaged in that you went from serving the youth group for four years and then being the champion for three, I'm going right in first time. My first time ever at a, at a Bridgewater youth group is going to be when I'm the champion. (laughs) I'm trying to, you know, prepare myself for that. Um, but you know, when I was a kid, I went to two different youth groups. One was Tuesday night and one was Wednesday night. For whatever reason we did it in the middle of the week. The biggest difference is, is that when I was a kid, in California, our church did it in the middle of the week, and there was no break. It was summer, you know. Yeah, it was there. You know, Bridgewater takes like the the summer off, and there's a few days off that are wrapped around holidays, and that run that's pretty consistent with youth group when I was a kid. But we did it year round. Um, one youth group I went to was really small in size, and there was probably about like maybe ten of us. And one youth group there was probably two hundred of us. I mean, it was like it was a real deal. It was Francis Chan's church. And they had a youth group, um, and I went to that youth group. And uh, um, but they also had the college that Francis started, which was Eternity Bible College. So they had like all of these college students that went to the Bible College that would help out with the youth group. And so it was really, really cool and fun. But um, they would go to like the local high schools, and they would have like games during lunch, and they'd be giving out pizza and stuff like that. Um, and so those are things that like I'm working on trying to make happen, but I just don't know, like with COVID, if they're going to let me in, if they're going to like allow me to do that. So I don't know. It'd be pretty cool. I'd love to do things like that. That's something that I'm particularly passionate about. Um, I think like, you know, I think I have the goal, same as you, is that I would love for, um, you know, that, you know, I'd love to 
make sure that everyone, you know, in our youth group is saved by the end of it. That'd be just like a dream. But I also like want to grow it by, you know, exponential amount because it's so small as it is. And we have like such a accessible community. Um, so that's what I'm particularly excited about. But I'm also just trying to like, you know, like I said, when I get into something, I go to the extreme of it. I'm trying to like kind of pull those reins back and focus on the task at hand and, you know, delegate where I can and uh, just be content with little victories here and there. <laughs> so I'm glad you reached out with it because when I got championship, the champion championship, yeah. <laughs> the champion role of it, I reached out to somebody that was in the role at a different campus and their schedule, my schedule just never paired up. So I went into it not really knowing what to expect mm-hmm. as a champion. I mean, like you said, I knew how to how youth group ran, but yeah. I didn't know the role of it. So it's it's good that, you know, even though we have five campuses that we can still mm-hmm. kind of reach out and we're still kind of one church. Yeah. And so, I, you know, that's one good thing about Bridgewater is they've been pretty good at, yeah. you know, separate locations, but it's still one church right. and we work together. To, yeah. Yeah. So Josh Jones is the, the youth, like the director, the, the head of the whole, you know, Megillah, the youth pastor, I guess would be the, the right thing. And so he kind of oversees for all the campuses, but yeah, he has been really great and accessible, which I really appreciated a lot. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, I had like a, like a, just a get to know each other dinner thing like two weeks or so ago. I shot him an invite. I did not expect him to actually show up and he did. And it was just like, there was like six of us there and Josh Jones was one of them. And, you know, not that Josh Jones is like Superman himself, but it definitely shows just like his investment in the little things as well that, you know, is so appreciated. And, you know, we, we love Josh Jones for that. And he's a Dodgers fan, which you don't get too much of around here. So yeah, very cool. Well, I think that's pretty much all of my questions. If you could give me just like one more piece of advice, do you got anything else for me? Just be patient. I mean, and because there's going to be some things you don't see coming. Yeah. And I can't even tell you what's going to come. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff, even my first two years, stuff that happened that I would have never thought would happen. Mm. And just trust God to get to work through, trust that God's working, and that God has a plan no matter what comes up. And that's one thing I've had to to really remind myself over the last couple years that you know, just because certain things happen, it's not a reflection of your leadership. It's just God working things, mm-hmm. working things out how He needs them to be worked out. Yeah. And where I had the type personality where I would take it personally, like, like with the fist fights with the kids, it's like, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. When really, I don't think it was anything I was doing wrong. I think it was God giving me an opportunity to grow as a leader. Yeah. And. That kid that got in a fight, him and I, that our that relationship has gotten stronger mm-hmm. since that point. And I don't know if it had anything to do with that, but yeah, it's definitely a moment in it. So yeah, for sure, yeah. patience for sure. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Um, appreciate you coming on for uh, what will be the season finale. I mean, I just say the very best for last. That's a little alligator tear. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. It's good to hang out with you. It's good to see you. Um, you know, I was worried where I wouldn't see you for a while because softball's over. Yeah, right? softball's over. Yeah, you had a good season though. Huh? Yeah, we finished second. That was not bad. No, you you specifically had a good season. Four four home runs, right? Yeah, the yeah. church league. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. It's the most I've hit in the church league in 
probably since I was in my 20s. There you go. Well, I've hit three my entire church league life. So anyways, all right. Thanks a bunch, Josh, for coming on. Uh, appreciate it a lot.